0: As if he kicked about three pounds of haggis that time because it hardly got off the ground. Three bumps of haggis. 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 Three Three bumps of haggis. Because it hardly got off the ground. Kia and Gordon Orvin from Today Radio Studio 4 in Kirschberg, the headquarters of Let's Talk Sport. Arguably your go-to destination for all things sport in Luxembourg. Tonight is show 110. We've done it as a pre-record uh, for you. You're with myself, Nathan Snade. unfortunately. Fortunately, my mate, my chum, my uh, what we call it, my hobnobber, we are, uh, we're regretfully without Scott tonight. He's over in Ireland at a wedding. Let's hope he's not being the drunk uncle. But um, we're gonna, I'm going to have a rugby show without him. Without Scott, good heavens, we're going to tackle into the nitty-gritty of it all. And joining me today in the studio is the one and only James Kent. Welcome back to, to Luxembourg. Well, you haven't really left. You're still in Luxembourg, but uh, you haven't been around this much this season, James. No, no thank you. Thank you for the intro. Nathan, thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> felt like I never left. You felt like you never left? Well, welcome on board. Now, for those that don't know, James has um, just been spending the last year uh, with uh, Stade Francais um, rugby team as the assistant coach. If you can give me just a brief summary for a, for a minute, James, uh, can you tell me how your year's been? Year has been, uh, been up and down, but uh,
1: kicked off the season. Firstly, by being a new father, so that was the first. Uh, Congratulations, thank sir. You. Yeah, thank you. So that was the um, the timing was was practically the start of the season. That weekend was the uh, the same weekend as my daughter was born. So I did not assist the first game nor the second. But back on track after that, we ended up with a pretty good season. Um, unfortunately, bowed out in the quarterfinals to uh, the old foe, Russing '92. Um, in our our stadium in Jean Bois in Paris, uh, which was a disappointing end to what had been a pretty good season. We'd stayed uh, basically top three um, for the vast majority of the
0: season. So So uh, that meant that you got a a home semi-final or a home playoff advantage finishing the top three? Home 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 quarterfinals. We actually finished tied fourth,
1: uh, but due to the fact that other results... um, made it that we would actually host the quarter-final, um, as opposed to have to go play elsewhere, like Bordeaux or Toulon. Uh, so it was pretty tight at the at the back end of the season. A lot of teams trying to trying to make it, and, um, yeah, I think the fact that we, we did relatively well throughout the course of the season uh, allowed us to have that quarter-final. Um, albeit there are a few games during the season that got away from us that probably shouldn't have.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Well, we're going to look look forward on this this evening to get into some some of the details. How you experienced the first year. Um, we're going to tackle some cool topics. We're going to talk about the top uh, the French top fourteen, the squads. We'll be counting the players, comparing the sizes, see who's got the beefiest roster in the league, and as we know certainly size doesn't matter in rugby. But not just about the brawn. We'll talk about um, the budgets of some of these. T- Top or T14 squads find out if they've got deep pockets or if they're pinching the pennies. We know that across the across the ditch in uh, in, in England, there's been a few teams that have str- uh, that have struggled. Obviously, we've lost the Wasps. Um, uh, Worcester. Worcester were were, were another London, side. London Irish. So yeah, three three teams this year. So rugby certainly struggling in the UK, but it doesn't appear like it has in France. We can talk a, a little bit that about that. Um, and obviously, where the uh, T14, if you don't mind me calling it top 14, is that probably the the, the better word or the, the the correct word? The top 14. Where is it heading? Um, because you know, I personally believe that it could become the NBA of rugby. Um, you know, would are we going to see well superstar players? We've already got them there, Um, playing matches in in exotic locations. Well, we know that we've Played in in Spain over the over the border already, and filled out the stadium um, as well. I might add. So we'll we'll talk a little bit of that, at least to get your opinion of what you of uh, of what you think about it. Um, and then obviously there's some other other points I'd like to discuss. The facilities at Stud Stud France. Are we? Do I have this picture? And well, I do have this picture in my head. Um, state of art gyms, luxurious locker rooms. Uh, you know. How does it compare when you're in the away section of Toulon, for example? Is, is there the bathtubs like they have in, have in England? So, yeah, really looking forward to it. Obviously, you've had it, your experience um, with, the, with the French national team as well, um, where you spent, uh, well, probably about two or three weeks, in fact, probably two weeks just in quarantine yep. uh, down there. Yeah, we were four four weeks total in Australia. Four weeks total. So you've got that that experience. We'll be able to make comparisons there, and obviously uh, other other little things like how do you keep your how how you keep your cool, (laughs) coaching and and uh, yeah, and then obviously the big one that I I guess many people would like to listen to or hear uh, hear about is the uh, the derbies, derby, derby. You know. I, and I guess what you just said there with uh, playing Racing, you don't get any more. Uh, you can't get any more derby in French rugby. One right. would one one would think. So, and then how you know, how does it compare? You're 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 got an Australian connection as well. Um, how does that compare to the origin um, that we that we often often discuss about? Um, yeah, and then and then some of your players they're going to be in the international fold, and we got Rugby World Cup this year. <laughs> Yeah, so whilst we are uh, talking about rugby league, there, James, how did your uh, how did your chookies go on this year? They are struggling, struggling, struggling. And uh, w- what about your rivals and in, in, in that sense, in terms of uh, the Rabbitohs, who we know they are. Uh, the oh, biggest rivals of the Chooks, aren't they? They are. That is the, the derby game. That is the derby of all derbies? That as is big as is Origin? I'd say not far off. Not far <laughs> off.
1: <laughs> Depends how, how much of a diehard supporter you are. Um, but there's probably one, you know, those two teams probably hate each other as much as uh, Queensland and New South Wales. Yeah. Yeah, I think, it, you know, there's been a lot of... With a new stadium being built in Sydney, uh, Allianz Stadium, they were... You know, fighting about whose turf it was and whose yep. stadium it was, and um, I think if you uh, if you're a Roosters man, then you know you can't stand the side of the uh, the bunnies. The bunnies, getting, yeah, getting a, getting a win. <laughs> getting. Although, when it comes to origin, you take some of their players and you throw them in a blue jumper and you forget all about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. We are going to crack on with something which we do at the start of every show. We're going to talk about sport and, and the history in the world today. In 1903, it was the Tour de France, okay, and it was the inaugural race which began in mont uh, Montgeron, which is the southeastern suburb of Paris. How far away is that from your stadium?
1: I've absolutely no, no idea. idea.
0: No idea. east. You're, you're southwest, are eh? you? We're, we're West. West. We're,
1: next, we're, we're nestled between Roland Garros and Barc des Princes, PSG's home stadium, so it's a nice little set up,
0: one stadium right next to the other and, yeah. A lovely little area, many athletes are floating around in the neighbourhood, are they, or do they or do they live a little fur, uh, uh, in
1: another uh, suburb? The, the, tennis, the tennis players aren't only there for a few weeks a year and the footballers, yep. I think, drive uh, uh Elsewhere, comparable to Melbourne, comparable to Melbourne, although the stadium sizes are not quite the same. As, same. But the the idea is the same of having the uh, having Amy Park, the MCG,
0: uh, the tennis, everything right next to each other. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. It's one one uh, fabulous area is, is Melbourne. We're lucky enough to both be down there. Now, the 1903 Tour de France was run in six stages compared to modern stage races. They were extraordinarily long with an average distance of over 400 kilometres compared to the like 171 kilometres that... Is the average stage length um, that they're doing in the in the tour these days? The cyclist has one to three days rest between each stage, actually. So in, in that time, but quite understandable. Four hundred kilometres is, is a good old shift, isn't it?
1: Performance enhancers probably weren't around in
0: nineteen eighty three, and the route in those days was largely, largely flat, with uh, with only one stage featuring um, featuring a significant m- mountains. And and they were the other um, notable thing is they weren't um, grouped in teams. Teams. They raced as in- individuals and only paid 10 francs, which is cl- equivalent to about 90 euros these days, so um, certainly different in-, in that side. Staying on um, sport and the history in the world today, I've got a few more up my sleeve for you. 1904 was the third summer modern Olympic Games in, uh, in-, in St. Louis, which was the first one held in the United States this day in 1980 british runner steve Ovett he uh, he broke countryman steve uh, sebastian coe's world record for the mile 348.8 in oslo in norway now we know that the uh, current men's record holder is um hisham il garuj i think that's how we, how you say his uh, say his name and uh, that record stands now at uh, 3 minutes 43 minutes uh, 43 seconds so well wow. Four, five seconds, five seconds di- difference in, um, in 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 that uh, in, in that period. Nineteen ninety seven, Nevada Athletic Commission. They suspended Mike Tyson indefinitely and withheld his twenty million purse for. Doing what he was doing a Luis Suarez on Evander Holyfield's air during the heavyweight title fight in June and on, on the on the 28th of June. Do you remember that at, at oh, all? I remember that. I remember yeah. that very clearly. Do you remember you you we, watching the fight and you remember Evander just jumping up like reaction. a stung goose, yeah. wasn't he? And and everyone's like, "Wow, well, what's going on here?" But um, yeah, there was it was pretty evidential. There yeah. was a. And then Tyson went in for another clinch after that <laughs> <laughs> as, as Tyson what? As Tyson would it's Mike Tyson, one of the few guys that will knock you out And then pick you up and kiss you on the head yeah, That's right <laughs> yeah, 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 You put that right This day in 2018 An agreement of interest took part, uh, took part. NBA superstar LeBron James agreed to a four, uh, four year 154 million deal With the LA Lakers Moving from Cleveland to Cavaliers so, uh, yeah, $154 million deal, wow, that's um, something. But boy, did he prove to be a, uh, a, 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 hasn't he proved to be a winner? Yeah, and I think a lot of that is to do with how he recovers and we'll probably get onto a bit of that of
1: the professionalism in American sports compared to something like rugby where it's a relatively new sport, new professional sport and the amount that those guys put into, you know, the, the resources and getting their body right and that's why LeBron at his age, he can still uh, still, you know, knock about with the best of them. but I think he spends about 600000 a year just on his body. On his body, on his, physio, on his health. And chiropractors and, yeah, nutrition nutritionists, dietitians.
0: Yeah, quite understandable. Today is a big happy birthday to several athletes or those connected to sport. Carl Lewis, born in 1961, obviously we knew him for um, uh, as an American sprinter and long jumper, got nine Olympic golds, didn't he? I remember very well 1984. Rego, that was the first day that in my life when I uh, wagged school, when I watched him get his uh, fifth Olympic gold medal. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> Los Angeles crazy. Olympics, so 1984 I remember it very well. 1964, Bernard Laporte, French rugby union coach. Did he play rugby, Bernard Laporte? He did. He did play rugby, yeah. Uh, he played, it was, was he a nuggety little uh, little
1: halfback? Was he? I couldn't tell you what or a position. He, I know he, he played down uh, down on the south. I think
0: near uh, near Toulon. That's right, I believe he might have been the, was the minister of sport as as, as well for uh, yes, for, for and France the French former French president of the federation yeah well, French president so uh, French. very uh, important person 1965 it was shared between uh, on on this day Carl Fogarty we knew him as an English motor motorbike racer uh, and uh, Gary Schofield British rugby, rugby league player and a Legend. blast from the a blast from the past wasn't he Legend. 1966 John McEnroe was born on this day and. And then ten years later, 1976, along came Rud Van Nistelrooy, the Dutch soccer striker. Wasn't he in on fire in, his, in his prime? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the flying kick that he got in the in, in the World Cup? I think it was in yeah. my left. Just around that era, wasn't it? Yeah. Incredible. And 1989, coming to an, coming to the Australian. It's actually Daniel Ricciardo's birthday. So wow, there's a number of people that have their uh, th- that have their birthdays. If we can um, crack straight into it. Um, If you don't mind there, James The top 14, the popularity It's certainly growing It's massive The stadiums are full The audience numbers are at record at, At a record high um, He's an interesting data point related to, uh, to some things Over the last 10 years of European Heineken Cup There's only been one year where a, where a top 14 French club Has not been in the final Winning 5 of the last 10 So very, very um, impressive What do you think would attribute to this growth in, in, in rugby? Apart from your good self being in the mix <laughs> We were actually in the Challenge Cup uh,
1: last year So I think the, uh, the Champions Cup is obviously the, the one that you want to be in The Heineken Cup Which we will be in this uh, this coming season But um, I, I put it down to salary cap difference um, The salary cap then allows you to have the infrastructure To have the, the players uh, you know, to, to do the job If you compare for example the Premiership I think their their salary cap is going up to $9.6 million. Uh, and top 14 is just 10.6 million. Wow. Um, But for a number of years, there was a larger disparity between the two. I think they were down at 8.3 for a while and France were, you know, at least 2 million above. So, you know, that can still 2 million extra. May not seem like much in the, you know, 20%, but it adds up. Yeah, certainly. A fair amount to get some key players in those positions. And if you look at all of the clubs, maybe Toulouse being the... The exception, but the foreign influence that they can have—La Rochelle, your Kerr is coming in, Raymond Rules—you uh, can afford to bring in players of good calibre, and with probably international experience that can add to the uh, the big occasions that the Heineken Cup or the Champions Cup presents.
0: Yeah, probably hard to di- uh, difficult to pull out, and I, I, I briefed on it at the start—the superstars of of rugby. I mean, you wouldn't say Barlow was a superstar of the rugby, but he is it. But he is a Damn fine rugby! Uh, damn fine rugby player. Um, who 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 are the, the the main superstars? Do you see in the in, in, the, in the top fourteen? Not necessarily in, in stud, but across within the, within the league. I mean, you've you've got so many. You've got just look at Toulon. You've got Ch- Justin
1: Colby there. You know who? I think he's off to Japan. He'll be the highest paid player in the world. Um, so. You know, guys like him. Then you've got uh, Ramos or Antimac or Dupont in Toulouse, all three of them playing in, in Toulouse. Mm. Uh, Finn Russell at Russing, another foreign import. Um, there's talks that Marcus Smith might go there um, from Harlequins. Is there a policy on how many inputs a, a, a team can have? Yeah, so it is. There's, they are regulated by GIF quotas. Um, so you can't just... I think they added the Number of GIF players, which basically means the players that were, uh, did their training or were in the academies in France. Uh, so it could be foreign players, but they went through yep. the academy system. And um, I think they, they've they sort of, I suppose, increased that number because back in the day, a team like Toulon, you know, when they had the likes of Wilkinson, Ghetto, uh, Sonny Bill even, was in a, yeah, in, Bill, in, in, in that time. George Gregan was there. Nonu, Andrew, yeah. Andrew Mertens, Nonu, like they, Ali Williams. You just you name it. They had them. There was no real limit. So essentially, you could buy a team, bring it up from second or third division, bring it straight up to the top fourteen. Now the rules that are set in place were a bit harder in that sense. For the better, though, you would think. Ah, uh, for the better. Um, there's two sides of it. You could look at it that maybe as far as a product. And standard it might mean that because the season is as long as it is you may have to rotate players players might be called away for international duty which means that the players that are left are maybe not of the same caliber so because you'll be more limited to only having french players maybe some of the players aren't of the same quality that you might have been able to to get from an international side having said that though it definitely benefits the french system the, for the national team they have a lot more they add to their depth by doing it uh, they add as well to the local clubs and local provinces as well being able to dig through talent a bit more because they're in need of those players so a lot of younger players end up playing top 14 now for at a younger age than probably what they used to
0: brilliant 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 that's why i mean that kind of draws on on to my point is is it the is it the nba do you do you see you know what do you envisage for the, for the top 14 in, in 5 years, 10 years. And if I put on top of that, if France win the World Cup, mm. which I think could have a... That's why I say I, I envision it. What do, you, what do you think? I think,
1: you know, the foreign players will always be attracted by France for the lifestyle. Um, obviously, the salary goes a long way. Uh, the style of play. I think the World Cup as well will bring a lot of players that may not know about France get them to experience the lifestyle and the culture a little bit, um, see that how passionate the crowds are. Uh, that's one thing that I really didn't expect. For example, when you're walking into a stadium, the crowds are just on another level. You know, They've they got their flares out. It could be 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but the flares are out, the smoke bombs are out, the they I see the flags. As you come out the bus yeah from the the walk to the Buster stadium could be a 15 20 second walk and you're just in the thick of it um, unbelievable noise and so you see the passion and the tribalism that they they have paris is a bit different as well um, it's probably a you know not at the same scale as a, a cast or a bordeaux where you know it's really very much the that that the, the rugby revolves around that and Everybody in the town is aware about, is, you know, really, I suppose, invested into it. Whereas in Paris, you've so much sport going on. You've got PSG, you've got Roland Garros, you've got a lot more things that people might do on a Saturday afternoon. Whereas in the smaller towns, it's all 100% investment in into the team. So I think the tribalism and the crowds that they get down to top 14 and the passion that they show is you can't compare that with super rugby or even the premiership you know speaking to some of the guys as we mentioned before we had some guys come over from wasps um because they were out of a job and so they came over as a medical joker and you know even speaking to those guys the crowds don't compare with uh, with the premiership as
0: how loud they can uh, be! How, exactly. I want to go on to a little bit because you just touched on there about La Rochelle. Now that's one club that's really stood out in the last um, couple of years. Um, they've won the um, the European Cup two years in a row in very close and uh, very close games against Leinster. they were also um, the top fourteen final a few weeks ago and obviously lost out last minute. Um, they ha- they even have uh, it's rumoured that they have a waiting list to to be a season ticket holder.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've—I they've, think—they've sold out their stadium, eighty-five games in a row. Um, we played them the week after they won the European Cup final, and so we were—they'd already qualified for an automatic semi-final, and so we were envisaging that you know they might rest some of their guys who had probably had a good time for the last few days, maybe feeling a bit dusty, bringing some younger guys. Um, it allowed them for that rotation, that extra week recovery to prepare for a, for a semi final, and um, so that might affect the crowd size. You would think, you know, not seeing the superstars that sure. they come to see, not not at all. It was, you know, still packed,
0: still so, full house. Yeah, unbelievable. So which makes Sun- me think it Sunday it's- night, Sunday nine pm game,
1: and it was packed.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> Incredible, is it? Which, which makes me think. You know, come back quickly onto the NBA feeling. You know, you want to go to you want to go to France to go and watch a watch a top fourteen game. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, I know um, uh, tourists that have gone to New Zealand and they've gone. Oh, I want to go and watch a Super Rugby game. Yeah. But there's, there's obviously you want to be coming to France and watch the 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 yeah. super uh, the, the superstars heading out against each other. full well, Crusaders are actually coming to Northern Hemisphere next year to play
1: Bristol and Munster. I it's part of a right? warm up game or end of season or or. Yeah, I think it, I'm not sure when the timing is, but I think those two fixtures are are planned.
0: A plan, fabu- fabulous. I mean, obviously another team with a huge win record, haven't they? They just, do. I think last weekend, they got another uh, super title under the belt. Arguably, with their B or C team, they had a number of players out all season and they and uh, Razor Robertson managed to do it again, and again he did his Disco Dave moves at the at the, at the what a guy. He's a, 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 a unique character, staying on unique characters, and staying on La Rochelle. Uh, Ryan o, Ryan Ogara, have you had um, have you had any communication whilst you've been uh, on the field or on the on the sideline? You, you, you met him because he's a, a an interesting character as well, who spent time at, at, at Crusaders and now has taken over La Rochelle and doing a fantastic Done a f- fabulous job. Yeah, he's done a he's done a great job. Um, yeah, I've,
1: I've I've met him a few times uh, when my my future with the federation uh, I knew was maybe uh, I could turn a corner. I was actually in in discussions with uh, with him about maybe going out there and and uh, he's a he's a you know nice guy, top bloke who's really knows how to, to steer a team in the right direction. A lot of
0: a lot of it I think is. How far to, away? How, sorry, how, sorry to interrupt. How far away is La Rochelle from where you are, in Stade France? Because I guess there's a, d- another okay, another dynamic to add yeah. if you were to consider that as well. I'm guessing. So, so for example, we flew
1: there um, from Paris. We flew uh, on Sunday Sunday morning. We flew and we flew back Sunday night. Um, but by train, it's a three hour train, so it's not not very accessible. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not. There's a. There's no major airport. It, you know, it's smaller flights or charter flights, um, which probably makes it even more tribal. And- yeah, hundred percent. There's nothing else there in in that region as far as sports that uh, people can really sink their teeth into. But what's interesting about La Rochelle, they came through Pro D two. You know, they were a Pro D two team. So um, what they've managed to build around it and. Bring it from the ground up has been has been nothing short of, of amazing, especially in such a short amount of time. Um, and I think you know Ronan's really had a, a big influence on on that team and with his passion. Um, I suppose he was at Racing before as well, so he, he had a good understanding of the French league, uh, the top fourteen. Like you mentioned, he was at the Crusaders, so I know There's a big influence on theming. Um, just like the Crusaders do, it's like Razor Robinson likes to to do, and uh, he's very. Uh, I suppose he's very. I don't want to talk on his behalf, but he's he's more open to uh, maybe looking at things outside the box as well uh, in his thinking and his approach, and I think that's paid off. Yeah, um, it's paid off massively. Yeah, a direct bloke is he? Yep, very straight up and down. Uh, you know where you stand. Yeah, you know, from my conversations with him anyway, and.
0: Uh, you got a bit of a smirk on your face there. Has he got a? Um, has it? A, do you, would you? Would you know? Would he, he'd obviously remembered you if you're going to uh, going to work with him. as he? Uh, how was he when you when you saw him after your after your chat? I oh, um, we caught up uh, just before we played them, and uh, obviously they'd had a,
1: a good few days, and you know straight away the. I, uh, I just congratulate him on the, the win and he was quick to dust it off and go how's the baby <laughs> <Straight away laughs> congratulations okay and, so he's a man with his heart he's, his heart's in, in the right place yeah he's a he's a family man I think he's got five kids and you know he's you could tell I think that that rubs off as well on the club and how close the players are how close the staff are um, you know I've, I've got a couple of good friends as well who are in the coaching staff who I worked with at the French Federation um, and so I've you know I've seen, uh, when I went to visit as well last year, I actually took a visit of their facilities, they sh- showed me around and, yeah, their facilities are state-of-the-art now, they've redone everything. Um, and you they probably could, had to, to in order for it to, uh, to keep to trying, grow. Yeah. yeah, And they're in a great part of the world. You know, you're on the coast, you've got a lot of good seafood. Um, if you're a foreign player looking to move, you come into a winning culture, come into a, a place where you've got a good balance of uh, French and foreign um, and then obviously you've got the ocean nearby so uh,
0: it's a nice place to live. A, a nice place to live. How does that compare, obviously not next to the ocean, how does that compare to the environment where you are at Stade, Stade Francais? Now I've got a little picture of here which I'm going to show you. Um, I know you can, we can't see it, our, our cameras are, are not on because it's a, a, a pre-record but uh, they sent me this picture today uh all in blue did you did you have an opinion on that did oh. you get it did you get it is there an, an, an agreement is, on that this is a stitch up here. this is a stitch up what is it well, I gotta, i'm going to bring up. this up. there we go no so i mean uh, you're looking good and you're in your in in the blue and pink beautiful well, timely match with the balls and, well, and the things as well I'll, did you did you approve that photo i've never seen myself happier <laughs> than on that photo unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> yeah no
1: I've, I've i've requested several times for them to change it to I, change. I think there's probably some better ones out there <laughs> like a mix between an accountant and uh and a, a ball boy, so and, and,
0: and a ball boy with that with, with three rugby balls tucked under your uh, tucked under your arm, but you look like you're uh, you're doing uh, do, doing a good job, and you have doing a job. Tell me, come on back to it, how? will tell me about the culture of uh, Stade Français. Yeah, so it's um, I think Paris is obviously a
1: very unique city. It's a place that a lot of players would like to play in because it has that historical um, element to it. Stade Francais traditionally been one of the big clubs in in French rugby, uh, European rugby as well. You know, they've won they've won titles domestic and and European. So they have that um that history and that culture behind them and they're obviously known for you know being a bit um bit out there with their their uh, their, their jerseys, their uh, back in the day, they would have fireworks at the games. They would have, you know, they, they were the one of the, the first
0: ones to, in, in the top 14 to really bring entertainment to it, weren't they? Yeah, when, absolutely. W- they
1: would, I mean, they would sell out Stade de France for 80,000 people just for a club game. Um, so they actually really built, I suppose, a, a proper product, um, especially a rugby product when rugby was in its infancy in a, in a professional stage. So the culture that we have, though, we, we've got, I mean, we've got a decent blend of, uh, experience and a lot of youth. This year um, we will be getting a, been a fair bit of turnover, uh, coaches and, uh, and players. Um, we had Paul Gustard join us. Uh, he arrived at the same time as me uh, to do the defence. Uh, so he came from uh, previously he was the England defence coach, head coach uh, at uh, Harlequins, also worked to Saracens, Treviso. And uh, so he, he brought a, I suppose, a, a different lens to it all uh, for the players as well. Also big on theming. Um, and I think, the, you know, the guys really bought into that, um, which was important because I think maybe for some of the guys that had been there for a, a while, it was nice to have that, uh, I suppose, a change um, and maybe a different voice helped. Um, so that was that was probably one of our... One of our strengths was the turnover that we had. Actually, we brought something new and something a bit a bit different. Um, and we also had guys like Morgan Parra come in, uh, guys with you know seventy, 70 old tests of, yep. of experience and you know in the thirty five years old, thirty four years old, but still able to bring his uh, his piece to it. And um, I think that was good. It was a good balance with some of the guys who had already been at the club, but were still younger and hadn't really won you know titles and didn't really know what it was like to, to get to the top and um, some of them
0: hadn't made a final series before so I think so, so that so that finals footy where you did get where you got you got knocked out in, in in the quarters a lot of your players would have considering the circumstances it is a, it is a positive achievement obviously we're winners and we want it, we, we, we want to win the competition yep. but it's actually a, a, a very good yeah I mean it was a team that finished 11th
1: last year. So, yeah, I think you know, going from there, mate. from the eleventh from eleventh to, to the quarterfinals, I think um, we flew under the radar at the beginning as well because of that, um, and so we probably caught a few teams by surprise in the early stages of the season, and um, yeah, I, I put that down to the uh, the recruitment of uh, of players as well. It was uh, it was probably decently thought out and. Um, and
0: great recruitments to the co- and to the coaching t- <laughs> staff as well you must say now let's listen stay front say they've won the most French top 14 championships after toulouse you've won 22. toulouse have won 14 okay um the last two times that you all, that started one were in 2007 and 2015. Mm. do is there a, like an unwritten pressure to get to to get that to, to win that trophy after eight years
1: yeah yeah, I, I wouldn't even say it's unwritten. I'd yeah. say there are expectations um, from the owner uh, of the club, from uh, former players, from fans. Um, they want to see the club succeed. They've seen the club succeed before, and so there are definitely expectations there that the club, you know, must be doing well. Um, they have a budget for it. They have the, you know, they're in the capital city so you're you're representing the capital city russing yeah. russing well, R- R- we can touch on that they're a bit outside your- <laughs> they're a bit outside the city so they're actually you know we we consider them the suburbs suburbs of paris because that's where they they train they're based outside the city and even their um their
0: stadium the the arena
1: is it's it's well, impressive it's an impressive impressive setup
0: yeah, yeah. i believe they've got a a, a screen that mm. is there's lo- wider than 100 yeah. metres. Uh, it's unbelievable. Have you seen your decent mug up on that uh, up on that screen? Have you looked up and go, jeez, what a... Fortunately not. Fortunately not. You probably no. have but you've been holding, you're picking up all those rugby balls after that. I wasn't wearing my go-
1: spectacles. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's an un- unbelievable place to play and um, I think... You know, we talked about a product, and we talked about what Stud were doing back in the day about selling it and and making something from uh, from their their rugby team. And Russing have done the same there. You know, there's a lights show. It's completely dark, so it's a bit like coming out of a, a Vegas casino. At two in the afternoon, you wouldn't know what time it was. Yes. Um, and it's the
0: same thing. You know, you could have a two o'clock kickoff. You, and so you, so the, when the crowd are uh, when when the crowd are erupting, it's obviously loud. Probably yeah. not quite as comparable to the to the infamous Millennium Stadium, which is no, uh, which, no. but still at the same time, yeah. um, that's that same uh, that yeah. same atmosphere. And you know, the, I suppose the other thing is the the
1: crowd are in a U shape, so there's the screen, and then you have three three sides where the crowd are. So slightly different in that sense, um, and it's surprisingly humid in there as well. Not, the the ball can be surprisingly the uh, wet wet
0: yeah. staying on um staying on uh, Russing metro 92 how would you compare the in, uh, the intensity of the rival between these two clubs i mean is it is it comparable to um, i wouldn't say arsenal tottenham i'll say west ham tottenham chelsea tottenham well anyone versus tottenham if you're a london club <laughs> a london football club how does how's the how's the rivalry because rivalry comes from the fans but obviously yeah, it was just the clubs, isn't it? It's everything about yeah. the, about the club. I don't know if they're, you know,
1: organising uh, little fisty cuffs in the uh, car parks, but yeah. um, <laughs> I think I think there's probably not that level of intensity, um, but there is a lot of. Uh, I suppose it's just it's just that that uh, that element to it where you know they're round the corner, that they want to be the the top club in the city and you want the the top club in the city and that's how it's always been it's always been a i suppose a a competition between the owners as well um and it becomes a sometimes what they, they can dub the the president's match because they get their bragging rights um over the city and it's uh there's been some good encounters over the years and on top of that you know there's a Few players
0: that left stad to go to racing, and some players that left racing to go to stad. So the, the taboo. Mm. I think yeah, probably the biggest one there would be the Real Madrid Barcelona, right? But so yeah. from it, from from French rugby uh-huh. terms, that would be that would be um, the, the the biggest sin. Yeah. And it's it's. I mean, obviously, probably geographically more similar
1: to Atletico and and Real Madrid. Yeah. Uh, trying to get bragging rights for the, for the city. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah it's. It's definitely something that was uh, special to be a part of, of uh, being the derby game. We played them on Christmas Eve, um,
0: at the arena, and we we won forty seven ten. Isn't it phenomenal? Who would who, who would you know? We're from Down Under, and, and on Christmas Eve there isn't footy. Yeah. you know we know that there's uh, football as a soccer on on, on Boxing the Day boxing for example. Day test we've got the Boxing roll. Day test. Yeah, we've got the Boxing Day t- test. We've also got the the regret the. the um, What's the regret? regatta going out to Tasmania from Sydney? Sydney yeah, to Hobart. Got Sydney, Sydney Hobart. They get the kicks off, but we wouldn't think about playing on the on the on no. the twenty fourth well, on the eve of twenty fourth. We
1: played the eve of the twenty fourth, and then we played a week later, th- eve of the thirty first. So yeah. Yeah. only and only in France. Yeah, there was no hol- no holidays there. So how many games are you playing throughout this uh, throughout the season? So we have twenty four. Uh, twenty six games, twenty six games, and then finals.
0: So that's, I mean, that's brutal on. That's honestly brutal on the uh, on the players. I know football players are are, are also playing um, up there more than that. But the physicality or the nature of the nature of rugby, um, you as a coach, surely you cannot expect your guys to get up every week. No, I, th- I think so. That must be bloody hard to to manage that.
1: Yeah, there's a, a massive um, a massive emphasis with the performance staff and the SNC staff, who monitor loads, uh, monitor volume, and then we can have an idea of how many minutes each player has played. Um, you know the the breakdown and the analysis they go into as far as knowing how many meters per meters per minute they run, how many accelerations, how many decelerations, how many. Kilometers they've done in a week um, in the build-up to a game, uh, whether during a week, maybe on a on a Tuesday on a high-intensity session, maybe some guys will do an off-feet conditioning session instead. And you've
0: fed this information from your guys that are that are analysing this, so you you, you know to to, so, to lay off the poor chap if he takes a little <laughs> yeah, so a little uh, slow to get off the ground. The head of
1: performance um, is you know very up to very up to date on it, and we've a. Uh, Sports scientists as well who crunches all the all the numbers and uh, all the GPS metrics that uh, that are going to help us as well because that can affect selection. It can affect how we how you know sometimes how we manage our week, how we plan our following week. If we know that the numbers might be going up through the roof, sometimes
0: less is more, and mm-hmm. maybe we'll cut down on a day or two. Um, and when, when do you, when do you get that information? When when does do you go to the, do you go to the, the head of performance? Does the head of performance come to you to you? How do you? Is it, is it part of your weekly or part probably we wouldn't say weekly because sometimes you're playing two games two games within the week. So we we have we weekly and pretty much daily meetings. Um, when we
1: want to plan a session, plan a training session, there always be the uh, head of performance in the in the session. So he'll give the outline and say what intensity he needs, whether he needs us to do more speed. So maybe an example of that would be kickoffs. So you know that on the kick chases or exits, um, areas of the game where you know you'll get a sprint. Um, Or maybe he needs slightly longer phase play. Uh, We need to get a few more kilometers out of it. So uh, he'll essentially write up what his expectations are, and then as far as the content, then we will work on the content as coaches and then after that we'll review together and he'll say, okay, yeah, that's, that's good by me. He'll probably want to uh, to talk about what specifically a drill might look like or he might say um, "With if it's just a unit split, so if we're just doing the backs, maybe it's... Uh, 10 meter accelerations or no more than 5 meter accelerations. So if you're doing a three on two, then you know that when you were setting up your drill, maybe you're just working 15, 20 meters and, 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 and
0: short bursts mm. as, as well. Um, how many internationals, like French international, not only French internationals, how many international players are in, in, in the stud setup? Because Toulouse have got, what do you say, you, you, you <laughs> rattle off three big names in, the, in Toulouse. Yeah. In, in Toulouse. Yeah. But how many have you got in the stud? Well, at
1: Stad we if you look at our roster, we don't actually have the uh, the most amount of internationals by quite some distance. I mean within the French setup we have Sekou Makalou who's um, who's in there, who's in and around the, the squad. And then we had uh, one of our centers was in the uh, Six Nations squad and was twenty fourth twenty fourth man for two of the games, uh, but hasn't hasn't been capped.
0: Um, would that would that help that would would that help the team? Because if you're playing an international, you're getting more of a uh, more of a workload, which yeah. I'll come on in, in in a minute. So, um, yeah, would would do you think that 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 helps a
1: little? It can be it can be hard because it it can mean, for example, in his case, he wasn't selected, so he didn't play a match, even though he was not released to play club, uh, which meant that he didn't actually get any games. Game time. time for a number of weeks uh, that can affect form it could affect the the player's mental side uh, the, the, the cohesion isn't it exactly so you know then need he needs to try and find uh, find his stride again when he comes back to it and back into it and so it, it depends maybe they play a couple games in international rugby and they come back and you know they're firing and they continue that form that they had uh, that got them to that standard. But if they're not playing, at the end of the day, they're rugby players, they need to be playing games. Yeah. Um, and that's, I suppose, it leads itself on to how many in a squad you need. Uh, you know, what's the balance between your young players coming through and your first team players? Um, if you have a larger squad, then you're going to have probably some issues at some point with selection. Is your selection off rotation or is it performance-based? Those are your two criteria that you need to look at. If you know it's rotation based, then you're clear from the from the onset, and you're yep. saying, okay, we will rotate guys. Um, you know, if it's performance based, then obviously you don't pull your your end, then yep. you, you you'll get dropped. Um, but there's there's different ways of of managing it. Some some might go, Nathan, you're number one. Uh, Scott Brown is number two. And James is number three. If Nathan goes down, Scott, you're next to cab off the rank, and you know it's clear cut like that. Yep. But it's dependent very De-
0: much dependent on, on on the manager. Yeah. Yep. We talked or well, Scott um, mentions this a lot. You know, coaches are the are the best. thieves. You've, you know, you you as a coach, you've got ideas from everyone. You you've um, to, to to make up the coach that you are. How do you? Uh, is the national team able to have the data of those players from? From Stud for example, or from Racing, wherever they where they play, because obviously if they've been playing a lot, of, had a lot of time on the park, and um, and, and the French coach wants them to, to come into their camp, uh, how do you do you share the information? Yeah, yeah. There's, uh,
1: there used to be, I suppose, a bit of uh, uh, <laughs> probably not as much of an open relationship as there is now between clubs and the union, and uh, now it's pretty transparent. You know, the the S and C's from club. Uh, have regular communication with the SNCs from the French team. So when they come into the club, we know how many meters they've run, we know how many uh, sessions they've done, how many weight sessions they've done. Um, you know, we have all that info, and likewise, they'll have access to how many games they've played, how many minutes they've played. Having said that, they're monitored as well from the Federation's perspective as well. So the Federation might have their own KPIs that they want to. Yep look at at a specific player and so uh, for example when I was with them maybe as an analyst you might be charged to go right well you're going to look at um, X, Y and Z and see how they've done in the last few games or you might just cut out all their clips. The same goes with the under 20s as well so it starts early as far as following guys and following their, um, I suppose their, their seasons.
0: Yep. Any chance because you're uh, because you're associated with a club, is there any any chance you can um be, let's say, a, a, a coach at, I won't say the Rugby World Cup because it's too too soon. But as, as a coach in, in in future to go on a, a, a tour, I mean, you spoke, I mean, yeah, I mean, arguably a career highlight to be down in, in down under in your homeland. Let's say, yeah, um, to coach against your 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 homeland. Um, any would is there a possibility that you can do that in, in your. Current contract Or are you really stuck? No, as it, as
1: it stands I'm I'm signed to To start
0: for a, For another season
1: Um It's on two years So this will be my Second second season And um Yeah I th- you, you know I wouldn't be able to It'd be two Two different things Yeah And I think if you're Gonna Go off and And try and coach International Then You need to To jump in both feet You can't dip the toe in And Yeah have One foot in each uh, in each side So Eddie Jones has done pretty well In the past there Yeah <laughs> he's, he's done alright He's done alright right. Michael, Michael Checker's done pretty well as yep. well Yeah So Michael Checker actually Funnily enough As you probably know Lebanon head coach For Rugby yep. League And it, And the Pumas head coach In Rugby Union
0: And playing the same And playing exactly the same time In the And do And And I
1: think director of rugby At uh, One of the At uh, NEC Green Rockets in Japan
0: So if you got that, if you got that flexibility, I I, I guess you uh, you can go for it. But obviously, you're in a a different uh, stage of your uh, your you know, let's say your coaching career as 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 well. What did you have? You been able to learn some things from the French setup that you've you know? What were the key things that you learned? Because there were very difficult circumstances when you're in um, when you're in Australia, and I can't remember. I think it was a very close series, two one. 2-1 2-1, 2-1 yeah. yeah. Very Every, every match is, is, Has been um, was, was close Difficult because You had the quarantine Yeah You didn't really know Where you were going to be playing I believe there was a match In Sydney Which wasn't played in Sydney Due to play at the SCG
1: Which unfortunately We didn't Because there was a uh, I suppose A, a lockdown And um, Which was a shame Because it would have been The last test match That they played at the SCG And Obviously if you're a cricket fan You know It's an iconic place to play yep. And I would have loved to to have been able to play there yeah. and play at a cricket ground green well. The green roof, yeah at the ECG, so, it's, uh, it's special it, was, um, it would have been unbelievable but so our first game was then uh, relocated to Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane where we played our third one as well and played our second at uh, Amy Park in Melbourne uh, but no very uh, trying circumstances the first two weeks we were locked in the hotel um, every time we had the train it was police escort, we weren't allowed outside anywhere, the police, you know, were outside our hotel, they'd put a fence up around the hotel, barbed wire, Um, you couldn't get out, couldn't get in, There there was no, the hotel wasn't even so much a hotel, because you didn't see any of the staff, they'd put these huge metal doors in the lobby, where on the other side you could hear the police, should anyone try and escape. Um, The lifts wouldn't work after 9pm and our first 3 days there was a security guard on every floor where we had to stay in our rooms uh, we weren't able to leave our rooms for the first three days while everyone did that test. Quite bizarre.
0: I know it was only recent, but still quite bizarre. But Australia were one of the, let's say, the heavy-handed nations, New Zealand as yep. well, um, at dealing with COVID in comparison to, to Europe, which, which you know, <laughs> had no, many it was, lives lost. but there
1: was no no comparison. It was, yep. uh, it was another level. For example, when they
0: served food, I was going to say, how'd you get the grub? Because you got you got to feed a squad of what? How many went down? Forty. 40 we had forty-two players, and we had about thirty staff. So you got seventy.
1: 70 yeah. What, what happens at Tucker time then? So there? they uh, they would put they would open uh, or sorry they would close the dining room. They'd come in. They'd lay it all out like a buffet style. Then run away, lock the doors, open the doors from the inside. they we'd be able to come in, and then we'd have to leave. Close the doors behind us And then they'd come in And clean everything So the problem with that was There were no seconds So You end up being At the back end of 42 hungry rugby players Eating before you Wow You know If there was something good on the menu You may, yeah, not, you may, not, may not, get not get it You
0: may not get it So You miss out on anything James? Oh, maybe a few a few meat pies Meat pies yeah. yeah Well that would have been Another disappointing thing Not to get it Not to get the meat pies Go that far, go that yeah. far south And not, not, not taste a good one Because they make them good down there and make them like no other there's a place
1: um there's well there's a guy in the south of France now a former player who's uh, who's opened up his own uh,
0: his own business ki- kiwi guy I think yeah and he meat pies doing meat pies yeah. right let's get to the re- let's get to the good stuff where have you had your best meat pie he's
1: expecting this tough
0: question yeah no, that was a
1: take exactly you're speechless yeah do you know sometimes do- it's it's not even about a specific place it could just be you know, getting.
0: A <sighs> what do you go for? What, uh, okay, here we go. I'll change the question. What do you go for in a meat pie? You go for a, a steak and cheese, just a steak. Maybe, a bit, maybe a chicken. I, I know my father liked a chicken, chicken. Uh, a chicken pie. Chicken. your chicken as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're the second person that I know that goes for chicken. chicken. Sometimes it, it, oh. steak mushroom. Steak mushroom with some, you know, ketchup there. And how do you eat the pink pie, Do you take the top off first, or do you, or do you go all in one? I drill the hole in the middle. Oh yeah, I've seen that type. Bang up in the middle. So I was going to say, where do you put your tea sauce? Mm-hmm. And then you are straight in. You are straight in. Yeah. And then, yeah, I go, I go on the second half. I go tea sauce again. By Interestingly the way, enough. That's how I eat my pancakes as well. Cut out a hole in the middle for that up with maple syrup, for, and then bang. That would be the that would be uh, for the maple syrup. That's your Canadian connection because you've coached uh, you've coached the uh, the Canadian woman at the uh, w- the women's World Cup yeah. when you were down in lovely New New Zealand. I, that m- reminds me of one thing, because your talks, you spoke very highly, and it's a question we ask, where is your favourite stadium you, you've played? You've had a lot more experience now, so I'm going to ask you, because you've played in every, every uh, top 14 ground in, in, in France. Obviously you've done We didn't do the MCG You did the AAMI Didn't you When you were mm-hmm. played in Melbourne You didn't do the SCG Because that would have been special yep. uh, You would have played At Suncorp Suncorp, oh, Suncorp good, was pretty special That's pretty, pretty special What origin? do you think of for an origin exactly Where is your favourite stadium? I... Twickenham was underwhelming Yep uh, The enormity of it The enormity yeah. of, the, of
1: the Of the height of it Yeah It yep. was you know, and I think the there's probably less of a buzz there than uh, some of the other places. Uh, I did like Westpac and Wellington. I like. Well, it the, wasn't during the sevens, was it? Oh, it was for the would have been for the World Cup. We we played the. Um, it was with the Canadian women's team, but it wasn't World Cup. It was a tour. We played the uh, the Black Ferns there, Twenty seven no twenty sixteen, and. Um, yeah, I think just that stadium itself. The, the ground is actually quite far back from from the stands, but like a
0: cricket. It's a it's, yeah, a, it's, it's
1: a cricket ground. Uh. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, it was something.
0: I don't know for me personally, I I, I quite liked it. You do a good work. You go around. It was called Westpac. I can't remember. I'm not sure of the name. The Cape Caketon, yeah. let's say they call it when you're yeah. looking over over the plane there, over coming over Wellington. Oh, I'd say um, Cardiff. though. Cardiff.
1: Yeah. I'd say that's probably the most impressive one, and definitely the best atmosphere.
0: Regretfully, you were not at the uh, RCL fiftieth uh, gala dinner no, the other week, but um, Mike Tyndall made a brilliant reference about uh, <laughs> about Wales and about the stadium, and he said the same thing. He said uh, Cardiff Millennium Stadium. It. He said, yeah. Uh, "Yeah, arguably the best, with a particularly with the with the roof, yeah, with the roof, roof down, yeah. yeah, amazing." I was lucky enough to watch a FA Cup game there. Um, uh, 2006, 2007. I can't remember which year it was, but uh, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal ground. It's up there. My be- my favourite one that I've been to is uh, Croke Park for watching the All Blacks play oh, yeah. uh, play Ireland. Quite iconic because it's not a, um, or ironic rather because it's not a, a a a rugby park. All right, to finish off and to uh, to wrap up the show, I'm going to give you the, the goodies. Are you? Um, let's just cut to the chase here. Bordies or budgies? Budgies, <laughs> much, much <laughs> to my wife's disgust. But I, 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 there have been a few shots. I was going to say, there's no way this guy can say, say "Bazey Right? You, I notice you've got a, you're, you 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 growing a little, uh, a, a little bit of fluff at the front there. So does that mean that you're a moustache over, a, over a mullet?
1: Or if you, or if I've, you, I've done the mullet before. What I haven't done is the combination. Combination. I haven't, no, I haven't ventured there. You haven't g- gone
0: there. No. Socks up or socks down. Socks up. To a fancy dress party, would you wear budgies with a mustache with a mullet and your socks up. As opposed to watch. being dressed as Darth Vader and getting kicked out of uh no, <laughs> Edge Bastion yesterday. The, then the budgies. <laughs> then the, then the, the budgies. budgies. <laughs> yeah, the budgies it is. Okay, that's our wrap for tonight's show. Very thank you for, um thank you. We do I tried to get through as much as I as much as I could. There was a lot on it, a lot on the list. Um, I'm sorry if we, well, there were some things that we didn't manage to touch on tonight, uh, tonight, James. But uh, you'll be back in ag- again next time. We wish you good luck for the season. Um yeah, we hope. Hopefully, Scott and I can come down to the uh, can come down and watch a w- watch a game, particularly a derby. Because, yeah, it would, would be good. To, I'd love to see a derby. Certainly, whilst you're on the helm, um, the volunteers out there that all contribute. I know even at even at stud, there are a lot of volunteers that go out there uh, making the sporting world tick. Please check out the regulars. You have got Sam Steen tomorrow at six am. Steps at twelve. Melissa is on the home stretch at three pm. And I think you'll be able to listen to this show again. At, um, at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning Check us out on Facebook, Insta, RTL Play website We will see you on Wednesday It's church